Yeah, it's a, it, it's a pretty hard time in our family right now. As each of you know that's lost a loved one, you know how hard it is. And it's not that we, that we think that, that this uh, uh, death in this body is the end of the journey. We know it's the beginning, but it's still hard. And I think it's that line of thinking that, that has kind of uh, uh, shaped the, the sermon this morning. So if it sounds a little bit depressing, I'm sorry. I'll just give it a... a... But we're looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, the first ten verses, what Paul is dealing with here is Judgment Day. But I'm going to look at it a little different here. I'm going to take this and I'm going to look at, at it because I believe that these ten verses gives us God's purpose for our pain. So I'm going to look at it from that respect. You know, there's a story about uh, Supreme Court Justice Horace Gray. He once informed a man that had appeared before him at a lower court, but had got off on a technicality. The judge says, I know that you're guilty, and you know that you're guilty. <clears throat> but I want you to remember, one day you will stand before a better and wiser judge, and there you will be dealt with with justice instead of the law. It was interesting, that very man a few years later was in Belgium robbing a house. And when the police came and he ran out the back door and he climbed over a nine foot wall to get away and he found that he dropped into the city jail. <laughs> justice, right? You know, we hear stories of justice, it makes us feel good that justice was served. But when we hear these stories of unjust, we get angry. Because we're, we are a just people. We believe that justice should be served. And you know, we serve a just God. God's justice is just a little more refined than ours. So we're going to look at this this morning because in these ten verses, Paul goes into great detail about pain and suffering. Now we've all asked the question, why do good people have to suffer? You know, when you're a good person, you know, shouldn't God kind of watch over you and, and kind of protect you from that bad stuff? And, you know, and, and we wonder that, but... Uh, and here we're going to see exactly what it is. You know, and then this also tells us that not all pain is equal, but all pain has a purpose. And the first thing he goes to is the purpose is perseverance and purification. Look at verses 3 through 5. It says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance in faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. 
You know, the, the first, you know, we think today that as Christians we get persecuted. Well, let me tell you something, folks. You don't know what persecution is. At the Nicene Convention, which was a church gathering in 325 A.D., and we know it from we recite the Nicene Code at the time. You know, we, we have it up there. And, and as, uh, uh, as we look at, there were uh, 318 people that showed up for this convention. And out of those 318, less than 12 of them had not either lost an eye or a hand or had a lame leg from being punished for suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. Now I wonder how many people would show up to church today if they knew that they may be, be caught on the street and taken and tortured, have an eye put out, lose a hand, or have a leg crippled just because you went to church this morning. You know, people think the churches are empty now. Think about what it would be if that's what it cost to go to church. Pastors would probably in there having echoes in their churches. Because we do not understand persecution to the point that these people in the early church had. I hear a lot of pastors say, oh, I just wish we had a first century church. And I'm thinking, you're crazy. <laughs> first century churches... I, I, I wouldn't want to have been in a church back then. And I'm sure most of you, if you think about it, would probably be saying the same thing. You might all have my faith at home in the privacy of my house that no one knows about because I don't want to be tortured for this. These people understood persecution. So when Paul writes to them that, that their faith is growing under all the persecution and trials that they're going through, that says a lot. That says a lot. One time someone asked C.S. Lewis, why do the righteous suffer? And I love his answer. Why not? They're the ones who can take it. Think about it, folks. When you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you now have a, a pillar of, of strength to lean upon. You've got someone who will pick you up and carry you when times are hard. You've got someone there all the time with their arm around you telling you how much they love you. Would you hate to go through persecution and all the suffering and trials if you did not have that strength? Oh, we can take it because we got the strength of Jesus Christ. We can take it. So what is the purpose of all this suffering we have to go through? According to James, it develops perseverance which completes us. Now I like the way he says that because the picture I get of that is a puzzle with one piece missing. You guys ever put a puzzle together and there's one piece missing? Drives me crazy. Search the house, you search everywhere, you can't find it. We're like that puzzle with one piece missing. That piece that's missing in our lives is perseverance. That's what completes us. That's what makes us whole. And it's through our suffering, it's through our persecution that we get that peace. So I love the way James puts it. Have you ever met someone or knew someone who's never had a bad thing happen to them? There, there's people like that. I, I've met them. 
They, nothing ever bad happened to them. So they just go through life thinking, man, life is so good. You know what people like that do when something goes wrong in their life? They shatter. They fall apart. Because they can't handle it. See, we need hard times in our life so we know how to keep the pieces together. Parnell Bailey visited an orange grove where the irrigation pump had broke down. It was a very hot summer, so the trees were dying from a lack of water. But the man giving the tour, he took uh, uh, Mr. Bailey on a tour of his own orchard, and his trees were doing good. And he didn't water near as much. He explained that, that when he first planted his trees, that he would, uh, he would uh, often would, uh, withhold water from them. Well, if you understand plants very well, if you withhold the water, their roots grow deeper and deeper until they find some moisture. And he said because of that, he said his trees had the deepest roots in the whole area. And that his trees would be able to survive drought much better. Well, see, for us, it's during our hard times that our roots grow deeper into God's grace. Our roots grow stronger into his love. And the deeper and the stronger they grow, the more we can withstand those hard times. It's so important. And I know, I know there's others here today that's had recent losses in their family. Death is not an end, it's a beginning. See, too many times this short period that we spend in these clay shells, we start thinking this is all there is. And when this is over, there's nothing. There's even people out there who believe that when you die, you die, it's over. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. That grave is a doorway into eternity. And if you know Jesus Christ, it's a doorway into eternity with Him. See, we've got things to look forward to. That grave is, that grave is nothing but a doorway for us. For those who don't know the Lord, it's, it's a doorway to somewhere they don't want to be. But for those that do, it's waiting for us. See, as we're developing perseverance in this life through, through hard times and, and through persecution, as we're developing that, that perseverance, we're learning some important lessons. We're learning that a quiet answer will avoid wrath. We're learning that even in the driest land, God satisfies. You ever had those desert periods? Where God, you don't think God can hear you? He's not answering you. He's not talking to you. You feel like you've been abandoned. Well, the deeper your roots are in God's love and grace, the fewer those times come around. Frank Salazar was called Bopsy by his family. In 1981, at seven years old, he was dying of leukemia. Bobsy's dying wish was that he would be a fireman. The Make-A-Wish Foundation contacted the Phoenix Fire Department and arranged for the day of his life. Bobsy was welcomed at the fire station where there was a custom-made uniform waiting for him, complete with a yellow helmet and, and a coat, he got to ride in a fire truck. He got to use a fire hose. And at the end of the day, they gave him a fireman's badge. Man, for a seven-year-old, 
that was the best day of his life. You know, and having that uniform and that badge did not make him a qualified fireman, did it? But he got to play fireman by the grace of the Phoenix Fire Department. They fitted him out with a uniform so that he would look the part. In the same way, God fits us out, preparing us for heaven. Pain develops perseverance and it purifies. But if you look at verses 6 through 9, you'll see that pain is also for payment and punishment. Verse 6 through 9 says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Oswald Chambers wrote in Christian Discipline, Suffering is the heritage of the bad, of the penitent, penitent, and of the Son of God. Each one ends in the cross. The bad thief is uh, crucified. The penitent thief is crucified, and the Son of God is crucified. By these signs we know the widespread heritage of suffering. I think that's a very good example of all people suffer. You cannot avoid it. We all suffer. But the meaning is different in each case. 1 Peter 3.18 says that, For Christ also suffered for, for sins, for the righteous, for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. See, through his sacrifice, through his suffering, you and I can have a relationship with God. There was no other way for that to happen. If it hadn't have been for his suffering, for his sacrifice, we would never be able to have a relationship with the Father. If it wasn't for him we would have to suffer the punishment that we all deserve. You see, God, I mentioned earlier, God is a better judge than we because God has refined justice. He's refined it to the point that the wages of sin is death. It's just like going into a dollar store where everything's a dollar. The cost of sin is the same, regardless of sin. The wages of sin is death. Still, even with that, Jesus offers us salvation. 
See, it doesn't matter how bad your sin. It doesn't matter how terrible, how immoral. All the things that we want to put around something to make it sound worse, none of that matters to God. His forgiveness is there for all. You know, sometimes as Christians, we like to think that God's forgiveness and His offer of salvation is only, only for people kind of like us. But you know, His offer of forgiveness and salvation, His love for the most terrible, cruel terrorist in the world is exactly the same as it is for you and me. Don't ever think that, that anything that we've done puts us out of God's reach. It does not. He offers it to us right up to that very last breath that we take. I do a lot of uh, counseling with, uh, with people. A lot of them are um, uh, military people. And uh, they like to talk to me because, you know, we kind of share some same experiences. And... I've had some that have told me that the things they did in the war that God would never forgive them for. I had one gentleman tell me that, he says, well, the Bible says that thou shalt not kill. And he says, and I've killed. And I said, no, what it says is thou shalt not commit murder. It's one of those misinterpretations in some translations that's really confusing to people. Thou shalt not commit murder. I said, I said, you did not commit murder. You were in a war, and in war, people die. I don't know if I got through to him or not, but I know I gave him something to think about. You see, there's nothing we can do that is beyond God's reach. There is nothing we can do that God cannot forgive. So many times Satan wants to convince us just the opposite. You've sinned so bad, God can't forgive you. You've done so much bad, God can't love you. Well, remember, Satan has the title as uh, the prince of liars for a reason. Because he lies. Everything he says is a lie. Jesus says, I am the truth. And Jesus says, forgiveness is for everyone. So you can choose to believe the Prince of Liars or the Lord of Lords. It's your choice. I, had to, I would think I would go with, with the one who says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. That no one gets to the Father but through me. See, that's what we need to look at. Don't believe Satan's lies. Every sinner is offered salvation. But there's still those who refuse it. There's still those who won't accept it because the word can't isn't there because we all can. They will not accept God's salvation. And it tells us here in verse 9 what happens to those people who refuse His grace. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut down from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. God is life. 
But you know, there is existence without life. And if we choose not to accept God's offer of grace, if we choose not to accept His offer of salvation, then God will give you exactly what you want. Existence without God. That's the definition of hell. There's a big difference in existing and living, folks. There's a big difference in, in just getting by and having a life. And isn't it interesting that even in God's final judgment of those who won't accept Him, even in His, His final plan of punishment, all He's doing is giving them exactly what they want. See, God will never force Himself on you. If you don't want Him, He'll leave you alone. That's why on that final day of judgment, those who have refused Him, those who have turned their back on Him, those who have said no to Him over and over again, that have denied Him, they're going to get exactly what they want. Existence without Him. Yeah, I've heard some people say, how can a good God send people to hell? He don't. He gives you exactly what you want. He gives us all what we want. If we want salvation, we got it. If we want, if we want Him out of our lives, we got it. He gives us what we want. We choose. He doesn't make us. Because of God's offer through Jesus. We have the choice today to either be God's people who, are, who persevere and are purified through our trials or we'll experience the ultimate pain in payment of our own sins. See, none of us are worthy of His grace. None of us earned one drop of it. None of us are worthy of His love. None of us earned one drop of it. But He gives it anyway, freely, openly. And He gives it knowing that His heart's going to be broke over and over again by people who refuse it. I've been studying in the book of Hosea. That's our next Bible study we're going to be doing. In the book of Hosea, God shows his relationship with Israel through Hosea. Because he has Hosea marry a prostitute. And she continues her line of work even after she's married. That's how God is with Israel. Israel is God's bride. But she continues to commit adultery on him, worshiping false gods. But as you get into Hosea and towards the end, even though God divorces Israel for a short time, even though God is disgusted with Israel for a short time because of her lifestyle, in the end, he says, I will woo you back. I will bring you back and, and you will call me your husband. Oh, isn't that so much better than you'll call me your God? Your husband. By biblical definition, 
the person who is supposed to love you sacrificially and give himself for you. Does not God fit that description? He gave himself for you. And he loves us no matter what we do. No matter what we say. He loves us if we don't love him. Folks, we have to make we have to make that decision. We're all going to go through hard times. Not a one of us are going to make it through life without facing hardship. If you haven't faced any yet, it's coming. Most of you, though, I'm sure, have been through it already. The thing you have to remember, though, is if, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, those hardships are preparing you for heaven. They're fitting you out. They're, they're getting you ready. They're completing you. If you have not accepted the Lord, those hardships are just giving you a taste of what punishment is going to be like on Judgment Day. Because on Judgment Day, you'll spend the rest of your life without God. And that's kind of scary to me. You see, God is hope. God is joy. God is peace. God is love. Could you imagine spending your whole life without those things in it? I'd ask you this morning, just very simply, if you have not accepted Christ yet, it's time. It's time to ask that question right now. If God is convicting you right now, you need to confront that. Lord God, I pray that each person here today has that personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray there's no one here, Lord, that is ignoring your call on their heart. Lord, I want to be complete. I don't want to have a missing piece. So Lord, let the hardships create in me completeness. Lord, let your spirit touch each person here this morning. Lord, fill them with your reassurance, with your love, with your hope. Lord, that hope that they will see you one day in the promised land and be welcomed as a good and faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.